Ready? Okay. Hi. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Wow, that was just quite a way to start. That was unexpected. <laughs> so. Uh, so, with that, it just reminded me that we didn't pray before we started. So oh, let's, do let's that now. pray on air. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Help us to uh, be wise as we uh, have fun together. Uh, just saying whatever silly things we say but lord help us to go past silly to be able to um to be able to to truly uh, connect the reality of who you are and uh, the the life that you've revealed to us in your word to the daily experiences that we have in life every day we want this to be useful for folks who listen but more than anything else father we want you to be glorified so this is what we pray in the name of jesus christ amen, amen. I want to know how that reminded you that it was time to pray. Because I thought, man, we should have prayed. Because <laughs> that ain't good. <laughs> this is not. We gotta stop this and pray. This is not how you start a pod- podcast here. So. Oh, well, that that, that good times. Tra- that good tracks. Times. That tracks. Yeah, we're we are rocking and rolling today. So. We are. We're. Well, no, we're not on time. I was gonna say we're on time, but we're not. But you don't know well, that. We're. We're at least not. We're probably weeks, not going to go. We're not weeks off right. or days off. We're probably not going to go too far overtime today either because I got to go. We're not even but, hours off. True. But, but it is good that we started with prayer since that is the topic we're talking about today. Yeah. As uh, as we wrap up this kind of mini series in this suit up idea in the in the armor of God, we we kind of spent an inordinate amount of time in chapter six and chapter one of. Uh, of uh, the book of Ephesians. Those were places where, because there's so much in it and so much that people talk about, and I think we get wrong a lot of the time, mm-hmm. it, it made sense for us to just kind of stop here and hover for a while. Collaborate and, and listen. Yeah, kind of kind of dig in and uh, and take a look at what are some of these things. And, yeah, no. Um, although, although it did uh, remind me of Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, who oh. seems to be saying that a lot. Although they just won, so I'm going to ride that for a while. Okay. Anyhow, mm-hmm. not yeah. Vanilla Ice. Not, now that you've said it, now I can't get it out of my head. Sorry. I just got sorry, that not sorry. line repeating. So anyhow. Uh, I can do the whole song. One day I'll do the song. <laughs> no, thank you. Not yeah, today. Okay. Um, One day, not today. We could call you Vanilla Latte. That was actually so, my nickname in high school. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so anyway, as we're as we're looking at this, uh, we're we're moving through the armor of God, and we kind of come to the end of that. And while this is not uh, really part of of what we might call the armor of God, it is the culmination of Paul's section on spiritual warfare in chapter 6. So after he's come through all that he's said in Ephesians, in this book of oneness and and harmony and shalom, uh, as God is bringing all things together under his kingdom rule in Christ, beginning with with the church. He is uniting us to Christ and therefore uniting us to one another. And he's uniting our conduct with who we are uh, he's, he's uniting our doctrine with the the truth of god's word uh, he's uniting families by uh, by joining us to uh, god's design for the family rather than our own design and boy we can we could do a whole you know month of podcasts on just that in our world today but he gets to the end of all of that in in light of this oneness, reconciliation, harmony, shalom concept 
in the book of Ephesians with this strong emphasis on the church and, and God being glorified in the church, he kind of comes to this last piece where he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes into detailing that, but gets, gets back to this prayer thing at the end, uh, verse 18, and pray in the spirit on, I, I said this prayer thing, didn't I? That sounded kind of diminishing. Uh, but he said, and, and pray in the spirit, or in many of the other translations, praying in the spirit, which I think is actually probably the better rendering mm -hmm. from the flow of how this goes. Um, but it makes for a better memory verse if you stop it there and say, and pray uh, in the Spirit in, uh, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Okay, so this, this alertness sort of alerts us that he's still talking about spiritual warfare. He's still talking about the devil's schemes that we need to stand uh, against. So it's not a separate concept from that, but... With all of these things in mind, with this warfare idea in mind, with this armor in mind, keep on praying for all the saints. Be alert. This is how we engage in the battle. This is how we employ the full armor of God. So, you know, he gives us the things, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All of that stuff. But apart from engaging with God personally and, and in relationship with him, none of that's going to matter. And, and I think we, we kind of fall into, um, how, what's the right way to say this, kind of a religious bumper stickerism, you know, mm -hmm. where, where we, we have these little quick sound bites we want to get. And so we memorize the, the armor of God. We get posters on our walls that, that have pictures of soldiers in the armor. And, and so then, you know, we, we do these little pieces. But we don't really go to the full depth of what the scripture intends. And so if we, if we just jump into the word and we grab a verse and this is going to be our application and, you know, the... I used to be really um, <clears throat> jealous of people when I when I was younger who had a life verse. I remember the first time I heard a youth group kid talk about their their life verse. Like, Whoa, they're so spiritual because they got a life verse. And do you have a life verse? Um, yes, it changes every time I read it. But uh, but I used to you know be really struggling you know with with those things. And I, I guess there are several that I I could say yeah this is my life verse, but. Um, like, for example, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I come back to a lot. You know, if there's a life passage for me. It'd be maybe Isaiah 6. If there's a life, Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. If there's a life chapter, it'd be, you know, Romans 8. There's so many big chunks that and you can look at. it's funny because life changes and your, your, right. your yeah. situations change. Yeah, that's so right. you might find a verse that changes. Anyway, yeah, so there's, there's never a that, time but. for me to not trust in the Lord with all my heart right. and not lean on my own understanding. But in any case, you know, it, it has occurred to me, everybody seems to have a life verse. You know, people on Twitter and their, their Twitter bio will stick a verse in there. They don't know the Lord. They don't go to church. They probably have never read the verses around that. Right. They probably haven't read the whole book that, that, that it's contained in. They don't know the context or the story. So you miss it really easily. And I think we do that when we, when we take this armor of God thing as if it's some sort of magic formula or panacea to fix 
the the attacks of the devil. It's like a meme on Facebook with like a soldier and the whatever. It's yeah. it's looks good. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And I'm not even opposed to those things. I'm just saying there's more. We're mm. missing it. And if we look at the armor of God in Ephesians six, and we don't follow through the prayer part of it, through the rest of that section, then we've missed out on everything. It, it's like you've got the fastest car in the world and you've got brand new tires and everything's great, but you don't have any gas in it. So if, if we're not going to put the gas in the car, it's never going to work. And, and it's a, probably a bad analogy, but, but the reality is if, if we have the word in us, but we're not engaging with God personally, and that's when it says pray in the spirit. That's that's really what Paul's talking about. It's nothing more mystical and, and you know not this is a special category of prayer. But when I'm praying in accordance with the spirit, because the spirit of God lives in me, and I'm in a relationship with Him, united to Christ. Now when I'm praying, I'm praying in alignment with God. So this is the the idea of praying in the spirit. And when I'm doing that, when I'm aligning my will with God's will, and I'm engaging Him personally because of our relationship into this battle on my behalf then we find happening what happened when whenever Israel followed God mm. you know during the during virtually the entire book of Joshua uh, during most of, of Moses time as they're following God doing what God says aligning their will with God's will surrendering themselves to him God fought their battles for them so you know they get they're like immediately delivered. Once we get through the, the plagues, they get past uh, you know, the, the, the Red Sea. And God obviously leads them out, parts the sea, closes the sea in on top of the Egyptians, cuts them across the desert, gets them to the door of the promised land. And you know, not to, to oversell it, but it, you know, it's pretty quick, mm -hmm. all, all things considered. But they chicken out. So they get there, and they have circumstances that frighten them. They send the scouts in, the, the spies, to check out the land. Oh, no, there are giants. Oh, wow, they must be bigger than, than we are. They're bigger than God. Oh, no. And so they, you know, you got two of them. They're saying, yeah, there's giants. Who cares? We got God. You know, we, we win, right? So when, when that takes place, now they got to wander around in the desert for 40 years. Right. The, the only difference was whether they were aligned with God's will or not. When they were doing their thing, wander in the desert. When they were doing their th doing God's thing, then all their enemies are, are fleeing. So it's a pretty good picture for us. When we look at the book of Joshua, you know, and Joshua challenges them you know, from the beginning. He says, here's the covenant with God. Do everything he says. You know, hide his word in your heart. You know, wrap it on your wrist and your forehead. Put it on your doorpost. God's word everywhere. Tell your kids, we're going to keep on pushing us. We're going to keep the Passover. We're going to do everything that God says. So as they're doing that, they win, 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 win. They have a, a particular situation in 6 and 7 where, where one dude, they go into a battle that they should have won easily. It wasn't even hard for them. You know, They didn't have to send everybody in. And normally they just route these people in the city of Ai, but instead they got sin in the camp. Mm -hmm. Somebody decides they're going to do their own thing, and they lose. They get routed, which means they lost like 300 men. Their enemies are losing thousands, but for them to lose 300, that was that deal. was a route right. for everything that they'd experienced because they were fighting on their own right. rather than God fighting for them. Fast forward to Second Chronicles 20, which we've talked about a couple of times over the last uh, few weeks. And you know the enemies of God are coming against Israel, and and they're they're united now against 
Jehoshaphat is the king, and the people are freaking out. Oh, you know, what are we going to do? And Jehoshaphat says, oh, I don't know. What are we going to do? And so what do they do? They pray. That seems, you know, from a secular, modern perspective, well, that's nice, but what are we actually going to do for our plan? Right. You know, they pray, and they say, Lord, this is too big for us. We don't know what to do. And the Lord, through someone who is, was not the prophet of Israel, but filled them with the Spirit, prophesied, said, hey, here's how this is going to go. You gear up. You do what you're supposed to do. You walk out there. You go into the battle. But don't sweat it. I'll fight for you. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. Isn't it interesting, I think, that prayer is, and maybe this is just me, I've often thought of prayer in the past as like, we're told that God answers our prayers. Yes. So if I think for many people, that's like, you have to adjust your expectations. Because I used to think that if I pray for something specific, that's going to happen just the way I want it, exactly when I want it, how I want it. Like a Christmas like a big, list where you yeah, get everything you like want. Like a big miracle. Which, by the way, I hate Christmas lists where you get everything you want. Well, true. Well. When, every, when mom and dad shop off your Christmas list and Santa happens to bring you exactly what's on your Christmas right. list. And you already know. You know, this, right. I just count on it. There's right. no surprise to it. But it's going to... It drives me nuts. But exactly the way you want. Like on your your own timeline. My wife and I whatever. disagree about that. But yeah, go ahead. Well, so. um, and that's often not it. It could be through... An answer to prayer could be through another person or through a situation that you weren't expecting or right. on a different timeline or whatever. And then I feel like people get disheartened because it's not exactly the way you want it, but it's really your expectations that were in the way. Correct. So you're saying Garth Brooks had some great theology when he said that some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers? Yeah. That great, that great 90s theologian, Garth I'm not, Brooks? I'm trying not to talk about Garth Brooks lately because it's getting on my nerves. But I'm, <laughs> well, sorry, I, sorry, Garth. I must Garth. have missed something. So. Sorry, Garth. So, yeah. Anyhow. We'll <laughs> talk later. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't think I could lower but, than but Chris Gaines. But. I, I, I was trying to uh, make a Chris Gaines comment, but I couldn't think of his name. So there you go. Anyhow, coming back to the actual the real world. the first time we've talked about Chris Gaines. I know, it's really not. And that's also a little bit sad, I think. It is. But, uh, but you're right. Our expectations kill it because we treat God as if he's a vending machine or a rabbit's foot mm. or... or you know, some tribal god where you say the right incantation and, and you know, he's like compelled to do what you ask. Right. And we, we wouldn't normally say it that way, but that's the practical reality of how we approach prayer. Or, like I went to a Catholic college, which we also talked about before on here. It would always, I'd think, hmm, when, you know, something would, one of my friends or roommates would be like, oh, I lost my book, I'm going to pray to Saint so-and-so, the yeah. saint of lost things, right. or I'm going to pray to Saint so-and-so, the saint of doing well on tests, or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. yeah. <laughs> like that, that always kind of... So we light candles and we right. do these different things. And, and you pray to the specific and, um, person, saint, that's going to give you exactly what you want because that's their job. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that, that doesn't seem right to Interesting me. Interesting that... that uh, that would strike you that way as we're approaching Reformation Day and, and moving away from the medieval superstition mm. that had taken over much of of Christianity at the time, what we would now refer to as Roman Catholicism. And, and there's so much that became really superstitious. And we're still more sophisticated now, 
but you know as we, we come up with better ways of packaging it perhaps uh, and maybe not maybe we, maybe it's not any, any more sophisticated I was going to say it's still, it still seems pretty like it's but we do fall into that and it's not just Catholics Catholics have it formalized or my friends would be like I have my saint is saint blah blah blah, blah and yeah. it's like their so specific so you don't have a saint. life verse right. but you got a you right. got your saint right, right. So, and that... What are they doing for you? Well, the, I mean, the thing of it is, it's, it's not just Catholics. We, no, we, I know. That's we, just we, my own we experience. We do that through so many different ways. And we, you know, we, we sort of baptize these superstitions that mm-hmm. we have to make them, you know, sound spiritual. But we still pray like it's a rabbit's foot, you right. know, that, that it's a worry stone or, or whatever else. So that when we pray, we're supposed to get exactly what we ask for, mm-hmm. exactly when we want it, as if God's not an actual real person. As if God's not the actual real person, the prime mover, the uncaused cause, the, the only sovereign, omnipotent being in the universe. And somehow he should cater to our whims well the thing is a lot of times you might not be praying for the thing that you really need exactly and god's not gonna give you like you know and and very often and and just to make this as as you know rubber meets the road as possible how many people have prayed for this particular relationship you know for you know for this wedding or, or whatever else with this person that God never wanted you to be with because they're not godly people. And this is this is the thing. So we pray that God's going to make this work <laughs> out. you we talking about my personal So, so we, we, we pray that God's going to make this work out, but we really don't care what God wants. Right. We want God to bless what we're doing right. rather than to do what God is blessing. When if you stopped and, and thought about it for five minutes, you'd be like, well... It's pretty... Not. I mean, the scripture is blatantly <laughs> right. clear, especially in the New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament as well. You don't marry people who don't share your faith period end of story heinous horrible sin for israel why because it's a cancer that destroys everything when you don't share the same devotion to god now if you don't have a devotion to god then you are the cancer yourself that's another thing that's a whole other situation but but we have so many times that we pray that God will bless what we're doing when what we're doing is exactly the opposite of what God has commanded. We play, pray for God's bless. I just saw a thing. Uh, a, a, it was a thing. It was a, a Twitter thing. Um, a tweet? That, uh, you know, they're praying the blessing over this, uh, this gay union that, that they're calling marriage. I'm sorry. Ooh. God will not ever bless your your same-sex union because it is absolutely a sin it's con it's going exactly against what god commands now i'm not saying that that's more sin or less sin than the other god's not going to put his stamp of approval his blessing on your marriage to someone who does not love him however at least in that you can pray for their salvation. You've still done wrong. You've done something that is harmful. And as you pray for their salvation, God can bring that about. But he's not going to honor your disobedience, period. If you're, if you're in a, a same-sex relationship, their gender ain't changing. Even though it's 2021, it is what it is. God created them male or female in his own image by his design. So that's not going to change. That's an innately contra-creation decision. 
and I didn't mean to get all off on these different things, but but the point that I want to come back to, this is going to come back up in 10 years and get me fired from, from uh, some job somewhere. Anyhow. Where are you going to be in 10 years? Who knows? I'll, hopefully I'll be in heaven. But as we're... Um, well, I hope not. That's so, too soon. <laughs> as we are processing this idea of prayer, we need to recognize that it is a relational concept. Mm. This is not some formulaic concept. It's not getting God to do what we want. That's not what prayer is. And, and when we do that, we're approaching it in many ways like a manipulative child who's trying to deceive a parent, trying to you know, emotionally manipulate a parent and whine your way into getting your way. And good parents don't give in to that. Right. However, none of us are perfect parents, so sometimes we all end up giving in to that. God, however, is a perfect parent, and he does not give in to our manipulation. He does not give us things that are bad for us. So if I ask for something and I desperately want this thing, and it's the only thing that I can possibly have that will bring me joy, there's no way that my life can ever be right if I don't get this one thing. And God says, well, that's no, that no, that's stupid. That that's harmful. When you pray for stupid stuff, a loving father doesn't give you that stupid stuff. You're praying for razor blades. <laughs> exactly. We, we've used that example so many times. You know, my my child loves that shiny, pretty razor blade. It seems fun, and you know, I really want to play with that razor blade. Well, a good parent is never going to say, "Oh, well, if it makes you Here's happy, another. go ahead. Yeah. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad." Ooh, little shale crow. Oh, yeah. Now, so, that'll be my head. That's better than vanilla eyes, there you though. Go. Uh, so, on, uh, on that same yeah. coin, or perhaps a different one, uh, the formality. With many sides on this coin. It's, <laughs> it's like a. It's a just a constantly flipping. Yeah. Um, the formality of prayer is something that I've struggled with throughout my life. Mm. And only just recently have I accepted that it's okay. And in, maybe in my personal life, even better for me. I, throughout the day, tend to have more casual conversations with God. Sure. I'll be walking down my hallway, putting laundry away, and I'll just say, oh, God, what is this and this and that? And I'll just talk to God. But I also, I got this bracelet last year that says pray on it because I do need to remind myself to stop sometimes and actually yeah. sit down and pray because I think there's a fine line between just having those little quick conversations and sure. actually having intentional sit down focused prayer um but i used to think that the conversational side of things didn't really count yeah. but now it, i feel like it boosts my relationship with god because like i'd talk to anybody i was in a relationship with you know mm -hmm. uh just to talk to them at any point in time i don't have to necessarily like you know you and i will text random stupid things throughout the day or sometimes meaningful things or we'll have a conversation we don't always I get have a lot to, of tiktok videos from mm, her, so. we don't always have to sit down and like have this serious intense talk mm -hmm. and if we did our relationship probably wouldn't be what it is you know we right. have that consistent connection but there are times when you have right. to have those serious intense right talks. but it's both i think that gives us the connection that and the relationship that we have mm -hmm. and that's with any of my friends or family members or whatever this the more you connect whether sure. it's serious or just passing it's going to build your relationship and i'm just i'm still i still struggle with that at times i think but. that's an important observation because we don't have um, that i that i can think of that i'm aware of we don't have some sort of a didactic or, or, or an imperative that tells us this is the format that, that you need to use for to pray 
And, and unfortunately, a lot of people have turned what we call the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, Prayer right. into that, as we see in, in uh, Matthew 6 and uh, shortened form in, in Luke. But as we see these as we see these examples, so they said, you know, Jesus teaches how to pray. Jesus says, okay, so when you pray, pray like this. It doesn't say pray this. Right. It doesn't pray say, like fill, here's, here's the, you know, the, the cut and paste prayer, and you can fill in the blanks here. Um, but here's an example. And so there's a reverence in our Father, hallowed be thy name, but there is a personal connection in the fact that we are talking to our Father. And so we see, you know, the references to, to uh, for example, in, in Romans 8, talking about our, our Abba Father, that this is our, our, our special Papa relationship. It's not just this Father, formal source out there thing, but there's a connectedness. There's that, um, I, I often will say Daddy. I don't know that that's the best. Papa is probably a better picture of the intimacy with reverence that that is matched up um but there's this invitation to crawl into daddy's lap you know that that's the picture that that we have there so there's a blending of the formal and informal and just like in it, it's more of a, a prudence and wisdom thing and we see the example throughout scripture there, there's an indicative pretty constantly of the casual prayer uh, as God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Uh, mm. Casual prayer as Moses and God talk as a friend talks to a friend. We see a lot of those things. Uh, we see, if you just read the Psalms, some, while these are not spontaneous prayers, these are written songs that are, that are used in worship, um, they come out of the prayer, just as when you're writing a song or if I'm writing a sermon or a poem or whatever, it, it's coming from a thought that's already occurred or occurring as we're going through it. So as David is writing, some are the, the guttural, visceral, crying out to God. Some are more, um, I'm going to say didactic, more in, almost instructional, right. where, where there's a doctrinal thesis presented in this. Others are just purely emotional worship. Of, oh, Lord, you're so amazing kind of thing. Uh, when you look at Psalm 150, for example, the, the culminating psalm, uh, there's no real theology in there, uh, you know, other than the inherent theology, but, but it's not trying to teach anything. There's no crying out. There's no, nothing that Israel is supposed to learn other than celebrate God from, from the depths of who you are in the loud and the soft and the big and the small. You celebrate God because he's awesome. And so prayer has a lot of different facets like that, the same as any other relationship. And so within the church, we see there are, are lots of different ways. You mentioned you know, just the, the dynamic in between texting versus other things. Mm -hmm. So there are times of formality and there are times of informality. Uh, you know, in, in, I, I like to use marriage, maybe because I, I like my wife a lot. But we, um, you know, most of our conversations are casual. Sometimes they are directive, right. you know, do this, do that, help me, you know, you know, and sometimes they're more, if I may, worshipful. There's an adoration aspect to it that comes out of it. Um, but there are other times, for example, when we set our wedding vows, mm -hmm. uh, when it is more formal or when we stand with the family gathered to 
to share a, a thought or devotion at the Christmas table. You mm. know, we're doing something like that. It's a little bit more, there's a different dynamic. There's a different formality right. to it. And that's true in our conversation with God. You know, and I guess the bottom line for all of this stuff, and this is where it ties in, how Paul ties this in with the spiritual warfare is that the key to our spiritual victory is constant reliance on the God who fights for us. And maybe I didn't bring this out enough on Sunday, but but that's what we're doing in prayer is saying, God, I, I got all this armor. It came from you anyway. I, I got the, the word that you've given me as a weapon. It's your word. It's not mine. I can't do this without you. And, and so in our prayers, we're owning our dependence, our reliance mm -hmm. on God. And the more we do that, the more we come to terms in our own mind and our own heart with the idea that my strength is not sufficient. Right. I don't. I want to control things. I don't control things. And we've talked a lot about fear and anxiety, and a, and a lot of that comes from lack of control. I want to know answers. I want this to be the way I expect it to be. And when it's not then it churns me up inside. Right. And the more constantly I rely on him and realize I can't control this. I have no control. I, I was just talking to, just at a funeral for someone who, who died of COVID, had been vaccinated. It kind of came on suddenly and, and they died. And one of, uh, one of his daughters said, you know, I've come to realize this is, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and you can take every possible and there are some people who would be really freaked out by her saying that yeah. but the reality the is truth. you did the things right. you don't control everything right. so just like you can be the healthiest person in the world work out every day eat the healthiest diet or whatever and still die of heart failure you know right. i mean absolutely it's just, I, I, i'm not trying to sound yeah. harsh about or, that but or you know be super super healthy and Get hit by a car, right. you know, going out the driveway, or slip in the bathtub and hit your head. You know, right. I, you know, there's a, a fellow, an older gentleman, it's turned a, dark. <laughs> a couple of years ago. Well, it was more than a couple of years ago here in the area who um, had ice in his driveway, fell, Slipped hit his head, and died. Yeah. Just like, like that. that. You know, it was. So we can fret about all the things that we don't control, or if we want to experience daily victory, if we want to live the victorious Christian life, then we can own that and say okay i don't control anything but i serve a god who controls everything and if god controls everything if he is sovereign and he is omnipotent and i know that he is also good and loving and he's a god who doesn't give bad things to his children only good things then whatever could happen it doesn't happen by chance whatever might possibly happen only happens if God has already determined that this is the best possible scenario for me as his child. And if I'm not his child, then this is my, every one of these things is my opportunity to be brought to the cross through this difficulty, to come on my knees with open hands saying, God, I got nothing and you're my everything. And when we do that, when that's where we live, is in constant reliance on the God who fights for us, then we experience daily victory. Does that mean we're never going to, to have depression or fear or anger or sin? Of course not. But we can recognize that all of the things in life, that's the chisel knocking off the sin from the masterpiece that he's making me to be. You ever look back on things in your life and realize that, that 
you didn't realize it at the time, but you look back and you think, whoa, well, I did not get through that on my own because I couldn't have. On the reg, man, that is... That I was is... just thinking, when we're talking about control, I know we're almost out of time here because I got to take my little boy to school, mm-hmm. but... Um, <clears throat> When I was, I might have talked about this in the, before on the podcast, you know about this. I had an eating disorder when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and I got down to, I think at my lowest weight, I was like 92 pounds. This is anorexia, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Just making sure I'm keeping it straight. <laughs> uh, I got, it was scary and I was going to die. I should have died because um, I was. I'm going to say you should not have. Well, so. medically, I should have died. There you go. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and I think, you know, we always, you know, when I think back on it, the thing that was kind of a light bulb moment for me that kind of snapped me out of it was my doctor, my pediatrician, because I was a child, um, a teenager. Uh, she said, you have, they've done blood tests and all these things. And she goes, you have fatty deposits on your liver that are eating anything that you do put into your body is going straight to your liver so it protects itself and when you then when that runs out you're gonna die like you probably have a few weeks to live so it's like oh cool don't want to die sometimes and so, <laughs> that's the encouragement well the, yeah the, the, and it was the, very the dire message is the but the thing that i look back on that i guess triggered that whole i hadn't realized that i had this kind of personality at the time because i was like 15 years old I lost control. I, my grandmother had died. My dog had died. I felt like I had lost all control in my life, and I didn't recognize that that was the situation at the time. But this was something I could control. I can control what I put yeah. into my body. I can control this. So that's what kind of spiraled it. But you know, looking back now, you know, there's no way that I should be here, like on my own accord. With, it's as you if know. there were a God watching over you. Imagine that. So. And, you know, recognizing that I have more to do in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't mean to drag that into it. But control, you're not going to be able to control things in your life. They're, Absolutely you know, not. And when you try to, bad things often happen. Um, right. So that was, that was and, just... And the more we try to, the more spiritual losses we, we right. encounter. And that's where the devil tries to get us. Right. The circumstances are of little consequence. Right. They, they really are. Of, it's not that they're inconsequential. But they are truly of small consequence by comparison to what to the real battle that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the key to our spiritual victory is to to get closer to God through the difficulties. Yeah. To, and that to seems own odd, that reliance but... to say, you know, rather than I have to fix it, I have to fix it, I have to worry about it, I have to worry about it. You know, God, what's wrong with me? God, what's wrong with you? All those kinds of things where we shake our fists at the sky, you know, and, you know, poor me, why me? Why am I going through this? It's more like the Chris Christopherson song. Why me? Why would I receive your grace? Why in the What have I ever done to deserve even one of the blessings that right. you've shown? So I, I if we're going to... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't think that means just... You know, there's a time for action. Absolutely. You know, there's time to get up off your knees. Jehoshaphat prayed. Right. Then they had to armor up and go. Right. And then when they got there, God had already done the work. And I think a big mistake a lot of us make, including myself, is I'll pray and then sit there and twiddle my thumbs waiting for something to happen. No, that's right. Right. That's that's 100% right. So we walk forward. We do because God has made us doers. He's made us uh, free agents in that sense. And so we have free will to the extent that God gives us free will. And we've turned that into something of an idol. That's for another podcast. But as we're, as we're looking at it, 
God, God's sovereignty, in his sovereignty, he still gives us meaningful choices to make. Mm-hmm. We are still responsible for them. But we are not able to do anything that thwarts God's plan for us. No choice that I make, no choice that anyone makes to or against me can possibly thwart what God has planned, what he is doing. So that should give us some profound encouragement. And as we pray in this battle, that's how we employ the armor that he's given to us, is is we enlist God's empowerment through it. It unleashes divine power against the enemy. And we do this not through all of the incantations and special formalities and, and you got to pray in this way at this time, wearing these clothes, lighting these candles. That, that's, that's not how it works. But the wrong kind of prayer is the kind that neglects or distorts our relationship with God. Prayer hinges on our relationship with God and, and his, his answers to our prayer are tied to our obedience then we need to recognize that. At the same time, Paul ends the section by basically admitting his own fears. Whether he is afraid in the moment or afraid that he will be afraid, you don't, you don't say, please pray for me that I would be fearless unless you are not fearless, unless right. you know that about yourself. And so we need to recognize that that we're in this together as a team in this battle and we need to be praying for one another Nobody, there are no you know, spiritual supermen who are invulnerable, no spiritual wonder woman, wonder woman who go beyond the powers of other people. We need one another praying for us so that uh, we, we recognize that in this battle, we are together, all of us, whether you're on the, up on the stage, in the front lines, if you're serving behind the scenes, you know, serving Kool-Aid to little kids, whatever it is, we're all in it and recognize, be looking for those around you who need your prayer and watch for those who are wounded because very often we can uh, cast them aside. We're kind of, that's kind of the cliche that the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. That's not true. They're not the only army, but far too often it's happened mm-hmm. where we have, instead of supporting uh, others in prayer, we've cast them out at, as if their weakness or their woundedness uh, makes them no longer part of the family. Right. And, and that's, it, it doesn't mean that you're always qualified to do every job. Sometimes our weaknesses and our wounded, woundedness can disqualify us from particular roles, but that doesn't mean they're not part of the family. We'll stop there for today. Thank you guys for listening. This is on the right day. Hooray. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions or comments. This is not posted yet. We can true. still have time for technical difficulties. <laughs> Don't mess it up. Um, yeah, like I did last week. Anyway, uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org, or you can leave us a message or comment on Facebook or YouTube, or you can leave us a voicemail using the Anchor app or calling the church at 269-756-RLCC. That's all mm. I got. Indeed. My mother-in-law just texted me a John Wayne picture from the Green A Berets. man's got to do what a man's got to do. It's brilliant. We'll end with that. Take that with you this week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone.